Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast, post 4th of July, post-vacation, current dead period, lots happening. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. We are podcasting. Gentlemen, everybody, there's been a lot that has happened. Yeah, everybody's so tan and buff, it's amazing. Yeah. Summer bods. Yeah. What the, uh, I haven't worn a shirt in like three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I'm mean, surprised you can even get into one with all the lifting you've been doing. That's true. You're taking after uh, Dominic Watt. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Are you yep. going to do a backflip on this show? I, I was in, I've been working on that in the yard with little success. So lots of, lots of fails. Does uh, your wife throw your daughter and you do the backflip and catch her all in one motion? That's a little advanced. Still, well, because Courtney can't make the throw. Right. My daughter's hefty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you're so small now. Yeah, that's true lugging her ass around all right so the dead period started on june 24th nebraska's picked up three commitments in that time uh it's a four i think it's, it's four. four four commitments in that time because alex khan was on that monday that's a lot uh that's a lot happening I, I don't even know when our last podcast was or what we even talked about it was it was right before uh I believe right before you went on vacation, right? Yeah. So let's let's when Nebraska run was at like three commits and yeah. everything was dire. Yeah, that was nice. It was very nice of them. But let's run through some of the people that have made decisions. I uh, I guess start with this. So of the three people since our last podcast, Nash Hutmacher, Blaze Gunnarsson, William Nixon, Brunt, which one do you think is the biggest get out of those three? Well, Gunnarsson's the biggest win to me because there were many, many, many reasons why he should have gone to Iowa State. Um, you know, he was a guy that I think Nebraska, if you're if you're viewing a recruitment as a NASCAR race, I mean, they really made up some ground fast um, towards the end of the spring. He's a he's that kind of rare guy, I think. And and I was talking about this off podcast with somebody that I, I think that that outside linebacker spot is such a hard position to a recruit and get elite guys and get guys who are that right mix of, of guy that can play against the run every down and also play in space. And I think that Gunnarsson, we'll see if he can play in space, but I, I think he he's that every down outside linebacker that I think can can function well early in his career at Nebraska. And I, I think for that reason, I, I think that's the biggest win. Plus, I mean, Brother goes to Iowa State. He's from an hour away at Iowa State. He's buddies with all the guys who are going to Iowa State, and he picks Nebraska. So, you know, we we hear sometimes that, you know, it's tough to go into Iowa and pull those kids away from the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones. But, you know, I, I think Nebraska's shown, and, and Masai Newsom's another case of this, that if Nebraska really wants to pursue a guy, sink their teeth into a recruitment, Eric Chenander – can do that in yeah, that he's area. Two for two. Yeah, and I, I he's going to go three for three. We'll see TJ Bowlers. You're yeah. on record. last show. I remember I, I made a prediction, my first ever crystal ball prediction yeah. during a, a podcast. Yeah, well, I again wasn't expecting all the smoke and laser lights when you made the pick, but it, it was, was it was appreciated. It was pretty exciting. Brian, do you do you agree on Gunnarsson or do you see uh, either Hutmacher or um, Nixon as being a little bit more interesting? No. I'm, Brunts laid out pretty good reasons for why you would you would say Gunnarsson. I guess the reason 
he's not as high on the radar is just because of the injury, basically. Yeah. I mean, I'm... I think he's going to finish in the as a four-star and close to the top 250, two, 247, if you well, will. Well, he looks like a freak on paper. Yeah. I mean, he's 6'5", 260 now. That's what we're talking. Yes. And he could play outside linebacker. That's... That's something. I mean, you got to be some sort of athlete to be able to pull that off. And we know about Nebraska's depth issues at that position. I like I like guys who are versatile, though, that are those hybrid players that they can you feel like can slide between being a D-line guy and an outside backer, and then you just let their body take care of it when they get here, and you're like, okay, he fits here better. Sort of like Ben Stilley. When he first got here, he started out at outside linebacker, and it felt like it was kind of off. Uh, he did okay, uh, but you knew that he was growing into something bigger. So I, I like those guys like like Gunnarsson that can you can go either way with. But I guess I'll go the other direction and just say Hutmacher because of of winning those head a head to head with Wisconsin, you know. And I think whenever you can, uh, it's not even counting Mario Cristobal and Oregon in this thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I always kind of thought they're. Do you do you think that was serious? I mean, he. I think there was interest. I think. It was unlikely because of the distance for the family. It just seems like a weird place for a polar bear to go, <laughs> Eugene, Oregon. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't add up. Yeah. But, but uh, I mean, I, I think uh, we heard so much about after the, the Iowa game last year about stacking up big bodies on both sides of the trenches, and Nebraska can, continues to do that uh, with with the old linemen and D linemen that they're bringing in. It's just. Uh, they're they're remodeling the look of that completely. I I appreciated about Hutmacher's recruitment too, by the way, that each of the fan bases was viewing that recruitment through the lens of the quality of the fishing where they were. Yeah. Because it was you heard a lot of Wisconsin fans talking. Oh, if he wants to, you know, really fish out of a lake and not out of a pond, like we well, got two lakes or two lakes on campus. Yeah. It, there was a lot of that going on, and it just made me laugh because it's like, well, that's. I, I would hope that you know Nash Hutmacher was making a decision based a little bit more than just on the fishing. It was on the people. It was always yeah, going to be on the people. Right. Nebraska did a really nice job, and they—I mean, there was some real fear when Mike Dawson went to the Giants because that was really a close relationship, mm-hmm. and, and Eric Shenander and Ryan Held and Scott Frost had all done a nice job, but it was Mike Dawson and Nash Hutmacher and Tony Tuioti came in, filled in admirably. Uh, he really had a nice relationship now with, with Hutmacher. And then, of course, Held and, and Shenander did their work, too. Did uh, Hutmacher get a fishing license in each of those states? Nebraska Game and Park's going to have to check into that. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I will uh, I'll certainly look into that and see if it's we time can time to expose, ask the hard questions. If we can expose some nefarious <laughs> wrongdoings by colleges here. The the third of the commitments, William Nixon, probably caught some people by surprise when Steve Wilpong announced that he was posting a crystal ball for Nebraska. Um, I had been kind of keeping an eye on Nixon because I knew the situation at Notre Dame was that they were looking at one wide receiver to kind of finish things off. And if Xavier Watts was going to be that wide receiver, Nixon was going to be looking probably elsewhere. The, the thing that fascinates me, and I said this on – on the recruiting hour yesterday, Nixon and Watts aren't similar. Like, so if, if people look at it like, oh, this is a backup plan to Xavier Watts, that's not how Nebraska was viewing those two receivers. I mean, Xavier Watts was an outside wide receiver through and through. 
And William Nixon is someone that's more like Ramir Johnson and Wandale Robinson that they're going to move around in the offense. He's kind of a positionless player. Spent a lot of time with Ryan Held on his visit in June. And so I, I think that people probably have maybe the wrong indication of the type of player Nixon is if, if you think that he's Xavier Watts. And I, I think it's going to be a lot different than that. It should, I think, been, it should have been pretty obvious. I mean, if you've watched the film. I mean, it, it, it's... But obvious to the people that put the time into right. it, not obvious to the people that just right. assume that they know what's happening because one receiver went one way and another person listed as a receiver right. went somewhere else. But, I, you know, that's... You digress. Right. Right, <laughs> he, I do. He, uh, has, he has really good film. He does. He's. I was surprised that there seemed to be, and I don't know if it was a hangover of losing an in-state kid to Notre Dame, there didn't seem to be like that much enthusiasm about someone that I think if he would have committed before Xavier Watts had, there would have been a lot more excitement about him. I, I don't know. Am I reading the room wrong on that? I, I think that when people watch Nixon go through his senior year, they're going to be probably more excited in October than maybe they were in July. Like, Am I nuts on that one? See, it felt subdued. I think you're probably right. I, I, there's always that it, a little air comes out of the balloon whenever an in-state kid gets away. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so the people are still kind of coming off of that. And, and I think that led to that reaction. But I just encourage people, look, watch his highlights and see all the versatility he brings. And also, he's a very good route runner. I mean, he just well, his dad's a coach, and he's a, just, you can tell he's he's polished. I mean, uh, he's going to get better, but he's pretty polished for his age. I would like to present this theory as well. It definitely is intriguing to me that his dad is a co-offensive coordinator and a wide receivers coach for a coach in Matt Rule that likely isn't going to stay at Baylor, which is why I don't think Nixon was ever really going to consider Baylor mm. super hard I, I doubt if he would be there through the five years that nixon would be on a college campus are you suggesting he's going to come to nebraska i wouldn't be surprised if nebraska has a great offensive season troy walters becomes a head coaching candidate which he wants to do he's made no bones about the fact he wants to be a head coach i think that he would be a compelling interesting hire at the you know the american level or somewhere of that nature uh, even before Nebraska, Troy Walters has had a nice career, too, or before Scott Frost. And you think about what you replace there with a wide receiver coach and a co-offensive coordinator, there's not a whole lot of people that fit that description. So I, I think it's certainly not the primary motivation, but it would certainly add up to me if that opening were to happen in Nebraska in the future. And I think it will. I don't think Troy Walters is long – uh, for Nebraska because I think their offense is going to take off and he's going to be of interest to some AD somewhere in the country. How many more receivers in this class? Uh, they So they have two, which Xavier Betts had uh, you know nice spark score down in the opening and, and was performing well prior to his injury down there. Uh, so they, they have two with Xavier Betts and William Nixon. I think that they'll likely take – they'll definitely take three, maybe four. I could see where if you can get somebody like a Joe, a Joe, you also take Omar Manning because I think they want a junior college wide receiver. But maybe if you don't get a Joe, a Joe, and you still can get Omar Manning or Dominic Watt or whatever for your junior college wide receiver, maybe you stick at three. I mean, this class has kind of interesting numbers 
because with the the addition of Vokalek at tight end, I'm wondering if they aren't going to take a tight end because we haven't seen much movement there. A lot of their top guys have committed. The guys that were underneath of them, you know, when I reached out, Nebraska hasn't been particularly active with the tight ends that they were looking at. So they may not take one in this class. And so that, that leads me to believe that the focus for offense is maybe grab a running back or two and another offensive lineman or two, and you're pretty much done there the, with a heavy emphasis on defense this year. A question for the room. Um, a Joe Joe's 6'4", 200. Omar Manning's basically 6'2", 215. How big, how big a deal is it to you guys to have variety – in size at that position because you always hear like oh they need that big body receiver and i think it matters i'm probably not in the camp that think it it matters as much as some though yeah i mean i don't i don't know how much it matters i mean somebody like a joe is joe is just a freak athlete yes like i mean his catching radius is insane he has nearly a seven foot wingspan um He's already 200-some pounds and may not finish growing. Uh, I, I think that you look at a guy like that versus a William Nixon, like, yeah, it's it's an entirely different thing, and you'd love to have that in your offense. But is is there a big difference between someone like a Quincy Inunua and Stanley Morgan versus, you know, a generic six foot four wide receiver. I feel like people get really hung up on, on that. six four. The difference of like the six four and the six two or six one and a half. Like some guys play bigger than their, yeah, their Stan- actual height. Stanley played bigger. Yeah, and, and Quincy played bigger. I mean I, I think if you have guys like that, that's fine. You also have in your tight end room Austin Allen, Kurt Raftall, Travis Vokalek. You know, Katarian Legrone, Jack Stoll, the shortest of which is Legrone at six three and a half. So they have height. This this idea that they don't have guys that can go up and get the ball in the red zone or in a short area of a big catching radius is false. So it, it, to me, it's just it's one of those things where it's like people really want the that off the bus look for one of the. For, honestly, for one of the most low percentage plays in football is why they want it. Right. Let's get the 6'4 guy. But it so, always looks cool. So we can throw a fade at, on the 7-yard line that works 30% of the per, time. It's at Oregon. Unless you have Randy Moss. Yeah, works so you, you better have there. Randy Moss out there. Scott right. Frost was pretty well known for that play at Oregon and running it repeatedly in the red zone just as an FYI. No, I yeah. There, there's a reason, but it's just I don't – How many? I don't think that the difference of – if if you can give me Stanley Morgan, Quincy Anunua, I consider those big bodied wide receivers at six foot one and a half. Well it's, or it's whatever they are. The the reality of the situation is too is there's not very many six foot four wide receivers who can run. Like that's the part of it too. Well and fluidly run. Right. Like sink hips, turn, run routes. Right. I mean you got a lot of Will Henry's out there, right? right. So that's that's part of the problem. <laughs> he liked that one. <laughs> Shot at Will Henry. Yeah, <laughs> didn't do anything. What did Will Henry do to you? Nothing. Will Henry's <laughs> fine, and it's just didn't amount to much. I mean, they they and then in this offense, they value versatility too. I mean, that's why I think that you you're going to see more guys like William Nixon and J.D. Spielman versus you know that prototypical you know six four two fifteen guy that everybody thinks is out there, but Nebraska has been missing on. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. There's guys that were 6'3 and taller that Nebraska could have very easily had in the last few recruiting classes, but the reality of the situation is is that it, 
it just wasn't there athletically. So, you know, or I, they just missed. I mean, Charles Njoku was somebody they wanted right. that would have fit in those parameters, and he chose UCLA. Right. They ended up with Demarion Houston, who was two and a half, three inches shorter, significantly faster. Right. But I, I mean, who knows between those two receivers who's going to have a better career? Bronson's point is well taken. It's nice. It's nice to have that option on the five yard line. I just, th- I just, th- I hear it so much around here. It's like the word six four, like means so much at receiver. And I, I think the the lot of guys who can actually be what people want them to be, who are that size, is very small. And so a, a Joe, a Joe seems like one of the special kind. You know that is actually, he's he's got size, but he's got everything else with it, and it's just so rare to find. So people just need to not get hung up on it as much. I think. Yeah, I, I'm with you uh, entirely. All right, so Xavier Watts, Nebraska didn't get him. If you had to put a percent chance on Xavier Watts entertaining Nebraska late in the process. Would it be higher than 5% for you? Yes, but not much. Not much. So you don't think it's completely over? I think Nebraska will continue to recruit him. You have to. Right. right? Like, it's a local kid. You've already put in a lot of time and effort. I mean, it's – it was interesting the reaction to to him choosing Notre Dame because you got a lot of comparisons to – no fan situation or you know the Trevor Robinson going to Notre Dame you know from back in the day and, and those kinds of things and you know to, to me it, it's nothing at all like Noah Fant or Harrison Phillips or any of the other guys that have in, in, any of the in-state guys that have gone elsewhere because Nebraska did not bungle this recruitment like they they recruited him hard. They recruited him at the correct position, which was the Fant problem. And, you know, it's... They didn't use Hank Hughes. That Hank Hughes was not involved in this recruitment. The, You know, he was just intrigued by Notre Dame. I mean, Are I... Are you even mad that I'm going after Hank Hughes? No, all right. <laughs> it, like, on. It, based on all of that, like, I just think you have to continue to recruit him. The fact that you've got high school teammates at Nebraska, maybe the offense blows up this year and attracts his attention. That like, it's, I don't, he doesn't strike me as the type of the kid, the type of kid that's going to really waver a ton. But I think if you're Nebraska, you have to like, you don't just shut it down. And it's, I mean, it, Wandale Robinson's a good example, but I, I think when, when you've invested time and effort into recruiting a guy, unless the kid just tells you flat out, stop texting me, calling me, I, I think you you got to keep doing it. Do you – so here's another question I have. And do you agree with that, Brian, for the most part? I don't want to cut you off for a few Disagree thoughts. with me, please. No, I, 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 I do agree with it. I mean, I, you, you keep putting the lure out there and see what happens. But, I mean, you, I would be – careful with my time and resources on it too i mean the the notre dame's got some kids are all always going to be drawn to it you get around it's a great school yeah you get and they're a good football program if any of us walked on the campus today 
we'd be like, oh, that's sweet. There's Notre Dame Stadium. There's Touchdown Jesus. You can imagine. Brunson and- snuck into that stadium. I did. Yeah, and you probably were like feeling kind of like, ah, college football, right? Mm-hmm. When you looked at it a little bit, or were you disappointed? Oh, I pretended to be like Rudy and r- running around the field, six in the morning. You ran around the field? I didn't actually. I, I ran onto the. I did was. You, did you I see walked, the janitor? Was I walked. The janitor. He was clapping, <laughs> just clapping in the background. Uh, I I didn't run, but I, I walked around the stadium. Six a.m. Was it Rudy's dad there saying this is the most beautiful thing these eyes have ever seen? <laughs> there there was a, a strange guy up in the stands. Yes. <laughs> Do you like Rudy? I've seen it like ten times. I right. I wouldn't say I, I'm you not. Stop when it's on. Yeah, I watch it a little bit. I I probably but it's not a watch to finish. Not every time. I mean, I, I, the song kind of gets you. You know, like it. Don't you find yourself before baseball season watching like Moneyball and stuff like that, or a movie, and then before football, maybe you watch like We Are Marshall or something if it's on because it's like close to the season. No, because I'm not like a big TV movie guy. Okay. So then it's like it'd have to be like an active choice. I mean, I'll watch Major League probably before the start of a baseball season. I like so, to yeah. watch a few good men whenever there's a big like court martial hearing. And I, I like, <laughs> you know, like to get me fired up for it. So, uh, are you a Rudy guy? I'll I'll stop if it's on. It's not a. It's not like the Fugitive where I'll like rearrange my plans if it's on. Speaking of the Fugitive, Nebraska Next. will be. I know at that hotel this summer. There will be multiple fugitive switch to samples comments. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit down at Adrian Martinez's table and just very loudly switch the samples and see if he gets the reference. He won't. No, probably not. Well, he might. He's a movie guy. He's an old soul. He's a movie guy. Barrett Pickering has said what if, that. What if Adrian just picks up with your line and takes the next line? <laughs> Would you just say, like, Heisman vote? You got it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Close it down now. All right. Here's here's a thought I have on Xavier Watts. Do you think there's any way that the scholarship that might have been earmarked for him goes to somebody like Ty Han? Another wide receiver in state. You don't necessarily feel like you have to offer him because he doesn't have like that other big offer. Or little Gifford. Or little Gifford. Though I don't I mean He'd be on defense. I feel like he'd be probably a distant behind Han. I think Han's closer. If that, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Ty Ty Han's going to be real interesting because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of Power Five programs I think that are watching want to see his first four games of of his senior season because I think he's Garrett Snodgrass. Yeah, I think that he doesn't have the physical profile that makes you immediately lock him into a position but he's just a really good football player and trying to decide whether you have to make that offer yeah if they're not going to get him if they don't i don't think he would walk on no and i he he to me is is kind of similar to luke reimer too where like every camp that he went to he just put up fantastic i mean he, he runs sub four six you know works out well jumps well I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, he's just going to be interesting. So I, I think he's going to have a tough decision to make about what he wants to do. I, I kind of feel like I could see Nebraska offering him in October. I mean, depending on how everything else goes, wide receiver recruiting. I don't think he's a linebacker. I think he's a receiver. No, I think uh, he's definitely I a receiver. I think that, uh, well, there was some talk that maybe he could – 
be an undersized linebacker, but I, I think that he's a receiver and you don't get Xavier Watts. Maybe that's, maybe that's the backup plan. I don't know. It's just something to, to consider. It kind of as as we move forward away from it. Nebraska also did not get a commitment from Joshua Moten, defensive back out of Maryland. He ended up choosing Texas A&M. When you look at the guys left, or might even just be easier, look at positions. Where do you see still the the biggest need kind of in this class as they try to fill in depth going forward? Is it outside linebacker because it's a need until it's proven not to be a need? I think Is so. it somewhere else? Is it defensive back? Oh, I think defensive it's... line. Brian, go ahead. No, I, I think uh, linebacker. I mean, I, I'm just going off of what coaches said all spring, and Eric Chenander was just blunt about it. He's like, we need more. We need a really good. He said this. We need a really good recruiting year or two at linebacker and I think that's across the board and you figure it out from there you know with your middle and your outside guys but um it's that ultimate search that can change make a program from good to great to find an outside linebacker or two who is special like not just okay or serviceable but is like an all-conference type guy who can turn a game on his head by making four or five plays each Saturday that switch a game 14 points. And there's only a few of those guys out there, but that's the ultimate search. And until Nebraska hits that for sure, um, I I think you're separated from that elite level. I think yeah. I, you've got to find that guy somehow, some way. And this staff knows it as well as anybody because they had Shaquem Griffin. Well, that gets kind of into the heart of, of this thing, and I don't think they're going to find that guy through – you know, the traditional they land them in recruiting. I think it, it's going to have to be someone that they have developed that surprises people. Like, I, I just don't – I don't think they're going to get the five-star outside linebacker Von Miller type. Yeah, it can come from anywhere. That's going to come here. I, I, Griffin came from anywhere. Right. He was a freaking safety when he, they exactly. showed up and they saw exactly. hey, he can be different. I mean, for all – Heck, Javin Wright could be that guy. We don't exactly. know. He could move into that. I mean, it, you just don't know until you see him develop a couple of years. But I think that what I've seen from the message boards or, or the calls from the, the radio show is that people are expecting that person's going to be, you know, the recruit that they go out and get. I think it's going to have to be someone that they build up. Wisconsin has guys like that, and they never had the recruiting profile – that you were like, oh, he's definitely going to be a stud. They've just developed into that system, and the pieces around him allow a guy to shine at outside linebacker with his own natural athleticism. I think Blaze Gunnarsson can be an absolute star defensively. I think Gary he's Cole. not going to be rated that way, um, but I think that he has those tools. I know that Nebraska had him very highly on the, their board, regardless of recruiting ranking. I mean, it's a. Uh, it's a really kind of interesting thing because I just don't – unless there's some sort of, like, family connection or whatever, I don't see where Nebraska is going to get, in this class at least, the sort of outside linebacker where he's going to be number one on your Super 6. I just I, don't think that's going to happen. I'm interested, too, what we think of uh, – we're talking about the guy, guys who are here right now 
at outside backer. I'm interested in what we're saying in December about Caleb Tanner yep. and Garrett Nelson. Uh, Garrett Nelson. Well, if I don't know that we're going to see more than four games out of Garrett Nelson. I'm not sure of that, but I think we'll see something out yep. of him. And I'm curious if that Garrett's going to be pretty mad if you don't see more than four games out of him. I would guess he would be, um, which is good. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. good that he's that kind of guy. But yeah. those Garrett Nelson, I he's think, intriguing. I would I would bet some good money he's going to be a pretty good player. Thoughts? No, concerns? I I I've been on the Nelson boat for a while now. I been snuffing for the Nelson boat. Yeah, the. Anybody that uh, between the Sioux handshake, the bleach blonde mullet, and uh, I guess those two would probably be the big reasons. <laughs> I, th- I think he's his uh, performance in the state championship game. Yeah, I mean his performance during the spring. He, he's he's wired differently, and I think he's gonna he's gonna play well. I think. Do you think my assessment is kind of fair on the on the outside linebacker thing? Or yeah, no, I think so. I mean it's. That whole linebacker group, I mean, you're basically still paying for the sins of the fact that you've lost, what, an entire class of yeah. linebackers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... Well, you're paying for the sins of transitioning to a 3-4 defense without having the pieces. Right. And then continuing to keep your 4-3 linebackers when you switch to a 3-4 defense in the same cycle. Right. But, I mean, yeah. How, how many get five? They've lost five linebackers. They lost the entire class of... Um, They've lost more than five, right? Quayshon. Alexander. Uh, Hampton. That whole... Andrew Ward. Andrew Ward. Guy Thomas. Dion, Guy Thomas. Breon Dixon. Yep. Uh, Greg Simmons. I mean, he was gone before this staff took him. But, like, I think he still we just go through the whole 2015, 2016, 2017 yeah. run of linebackers. The only one still around is Mo Berry, right? Right. And he was, what, 15? 2015? Yeah. So. It's ama- it's pretty amazing to say out loud, like, how many guys have come and gone. Yep. Tyron Ferguson is still around. Yeah. That's, that's another one. And Alex he, Davis is still around. And Tyron's only here because he asked for – he was the one who asked to redshirt his second year. Yeah. Or he'd be gone, too. Colin Miller, I guess. He, he's still around. He was a defensive end, yeah, yeah. that moved the linebacker. But it's a uh, – I just uh, – it's a lost least generation of linebackers. <laughs> be a great story for the summer. Keep an eye on it. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Let's take a quick time out here, and then we're going to get the wheel out and see what topic comes in today uh, for us on our random topic generator. And then I don't know what else we're going to talk can about. Can we talk about Devlin McGregor and Provasic some more? Sure. Yeah, good. We can do that. All right, well, all of that's coming your way next. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back! (laughs) (laughs) We're excited to have you here on the second part of the Husker 24-7 podcast. If you forgot our names, I'm Mike Schaefer. Joined by Brunts and Christofferson. Gentlemen, what did you do during your break? It was pretty short. We got the wheel out. <laughs> that we did. We had to bring it down the steps. Yeah, that we did. Took Thanks for bringing people. it back over, by the way. Before we get to the wheel, uh, it is FPI season. Yes. Which we treat as some sort of like important mechanism, despite the fact that it's generally wrong. It's a terrible algorithm. Didn't it pick have. Nebraska go 5-7 and seven last year, by the way? It might have. I think, yeah. I know that it didn't pick UCF to go undefeated. I know that multiple top five and top ten teams that it has for it, you know, Florida State one year, other teams other years, Arkansas one year in the top ten, finished three and nine. The FBI is never going to have a big fan in me. But it's still FBI season. What uh, what have you learned when you've scoured through the Nebraska results, Brunts? Well, for, for everybody – or. Those who aren't familiar with FPI, it's ESPN's little algorithm that determines uh, basically predictions for games and schedules and whatnot. Weighted, Based on a series of just great criteria. It's weighted more heavily if you have a returning quarterback. What's the other one? It looks at recruiting classes. Using ESPN's using rankings. Using ESPN's rankings, which, you know. If that sounded particularly sardonic, I think you can figure out why. Yeah. Um Anyways, they've got Nebraska going 10-2, and two, uh, favored in every game except for Ohio State and Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> and they've got Minnesota winning the Big Ten. Look at that giggle! Minnesota winning the Big Ten West with the tiebreaker over Nebraska. Both teams going 10-2. and two. With Nebraska probably going back to Orlando for the Capital One Bowl. And another New Year's Eve at Miller's Ale House. Oh, that would be fun. Very specific scenario laid out there. Anyways, Miller Dale House. We spent a lot of days. Can we do a podcast from there? I'm sure we could. We we should do it during the MMA fight because that's some good people watching at (laughs) Miller's. Yeah. Um, Uh, International Boulevard, hell on earth. Yeah. So those, if anybody from Miller's is listening, sponsor the podcast. Um, (laughs) We appreciate it. Send some onion rings. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, ten and two seems a little aggressive, considering that you know we're we were basically hemming and hawing about eight and four last time we got together. What do you guys think? I have talked myself fully into Minnesota this year. Yeah, you're rowing so the boat. I I agree with Minnesota as the the Big Ten West uh, team. I also agree that Ohio State and Minnesota are the two. Most likely losses when I look at the schedule. I, mean, I pick like if you had me to rank the games of most likely to lose to least likely to lose, those would be my one and two. So I, I guess despite my general distrust of the SPI, you're all aboard. I I agree with that aspect of it. I don't think they're going to go ten and two. I think Nebraska is closer to eight and four or nine and three. But how many games do you think Nebraska is going to be favored in this year? Because I was I'm curious about that. There's a chance they're favored in every single game, depending on how they start the year. Yeah. Also, because no one knows if Justin Fields is actually good, 
or if Ryan Day can run and coach a program. I've been told that Justin Fields is very good. <laughs> have you? Lots of people have told me that. Yeah. Well, not based on anything. I was going to say, is it? That's kind of the. That is kind of a joke, isn't it? Like you see these things, and he's always like number one or two. The one reason because he went is at Ohio State. Yeah. Well, look, and he was an elite high school quarterback. I know quarterback. he was, but no, nobody seems to get but the benefit of the he doubt. He had like a that. bad spring, like a bad spring. He had a bad spring game. He did not have good spring practices, according to people over there. Um, I shouldn't say it like that. He had uneven spring practices, which happens. I mean, mm-hmm. he's still a young guy. He hasn't played in games. I just, I, if Ohio State struggles early in the year, maybe they don't lose, but they they're struggling a little bit. Nebraska's just knocking teams around, which is entirely possible when your first game is against South Alabama, who I expect they cover that spread, which I believe is already at thirty some points. South Alabama, yeah, I think it was thirty last I saw thirty one. Yeah, I was thinking thirty two. Yeah, so. It, would it would it shock you if Nebraska's four and zero and they're favored by two points at home against Ohio State? Well, no, because you'll have I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I I think that uh, I think if that's if Nebraska's humming along at that point, I would guess that there's gonna now be a, a there's pretty, there's plenty of reasons to think that they won't be right. You still don't know what the defense is going to do. Uh, you got to replace some. Important seniors from last year's defense that wasn't even that good. And you have the giant question in the middle of your offensive line. But, I mean, it's it's fascinating to me, and maybe we can spin the wheel and perhaps it'll land on this topic. Um, but the view of Nebraska nationally compared with the view of Nebraska locally is completely, like, flipped from what it usually is. Right. Well, and I we've gone into this a couple times this summer, but I think it's because locally people haven't gone all in on Adrian Martinez yet. Well, or you, you're at least recognizing the fact that there's some pretty significant holes around Adrian Martinez, yeah. too. Which, speaking for myself, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I don't... I'm not as concerned, I guess, about the offensive line as maybe everybody else. Mike, who's going to snap the ball? Somebody will. Somebody will get the ball back to him. I don't care about who touches the ball first. It's the guy that touches the ball second is what makes Nebraska special. What if the guy who touches it first, like, rolls it on the ground like some Nebraska centers in the put past? put somebody else. Or, or, th- or it goes high. <laughs> Look, they've had and your bad. Guy that, and your guy that touches it second is having to jump to get it or basically, you know, fall on a grenade. Would you stand on this table and yell that Nebraska's center play is going to be significantly worse in 2019 than what you've seen for the last decade? Well, no, that, that, you wouldn't. And that's you wouldn't. the reasons why they haven't taken a big step forward. But their forward. center play is not exactly been the problem either. It just hasn't been good. It's been below average. And if they get another excitingly below average center play again this year, they'll be right where they've been all along, except they have really good skill position players and the quarterback. Conceivably, really good skill position. Say players. this to Mark Polini's face, good sir. Well, look at the mirror. Into a mirror. <laughs> Am I looking into a mirror? Uh, um, I don't know, but they. You heard it here first. Mike Schaefer does not care about offensive line play. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Irrelevant. Seven on seven for days for this I'm just guy. Saying, if they get a below average center, they're where they've been. The one thing. Uh, well, if it's below, below average. Sorry, well, I keep cutting you off. If it's, if it's the worst center that they've had <laughs> the one, in the last that, decade, that maybe changes things. 
But they've had bad center play. The Go one ahead, thing Brian. to bolster Schaefer's side, and I'm not on his side, <laughs> but to bolster. Stay the hell off of my side then. <laughs> but the bol- I don't want your faux argument on my behalf. Scott Frost has said this too. Their system, their offensive system, I think can cover up weak spots on the O-line sometimes. Probably but you true. know what it can't cover up? And we saw it last year, is when you get to like third and one and you just got to – you got to have it. And they were what? Oh, weren't they like 0 for 10 for a while on like fourth and short or something last season? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's where I wonder about this team is can can in the crunch moments, crunch time moments, they come through. But I was looking at the numbers. It's funny because Ohio State, Nebraska, they actually get FPI gives Nebraska a 42% chance. It only gives them a 39.5% chance at Minnesota. So they're very high on on the Gophers. Gophers. I was saying earlier on some show that I didn't – this was kind of me not knowing what I was talking about. But the Gophers skill guys don't jump out at me, and they have one of the better receivers in the conference, and they have a couple of thousand-yard rushers. So that's not exactly true. I do wonder, though – about their depth at those spots because it always feels like Minnesota just doesn't have – they can't come at you with four or five different guys. And, yeah. And I still wonder if they can produce that even with even with those good players coming back. Quarterback, yeah. quarterback play is probably their biggest question mark, that's, right? That's exactly like – I mean, that's why, you know, would you rather be in Minnesota's situation where quarterback play is your biggest question mark or Nebraska's situation where center is your biggest question mark? I think that I like what Minnesota has defensively more than Nebraska, which is why I think the Gophers are more likely to win the division. Because I think they can be more consistent week in and week out defensively than Nebraska will be. But their quarterback play could really hamper them because it's – it's uh, It was what? bad. Was it Anikstad? Anikstad and then the Tanner guy. Uh, and neither of them are particularly good. One's a preferred walk-on. Or was initially the other, you know, was a backup. They have Seth Green, who was at one time a highly touted quarterback recruit, but he never really broke through for him. It's it's interesting because when things were going well for PJ Fleck, he usually had a pretty solid quarterback running a dynamic offense. Mm-hmm. So I think they have a pretty good offensive line and good skill position players. Uh, it's just whether they can consistently move the ball down the field is really what it's going to come down to. Well, I'll, I'll be curious too. You know, they were a different team um, after that coordinator change at midseason, yeah. and I went, actually went back the other night and watched the Nebraska Minnesota game. I'd forgotten just how how much Nebraska just gashed them, like pretty badly uh, on you know just busted plays, bad contain. I mean, Devino Zigbo looked like you know Amon Green in that game with the way he was kind of running all over him. So. That to me is the other, you know, quarterback play. If they can get consistency there, and then you know, if either they're more the the Minnesota team that we saw the second half, if they can continue that on, I guess. What makes Minnesota so interesting is they lost that game to Nebraska by twenty five. Then they they beat Indiana by seven, but they got shelled by Illinois on November third by twenty four points. And then what they did after that, I know. And that's what, what I'm saying is, like, if we were talking about minute, if you had stopped it right there, P. 
people would be like, yeah, they're five and seven or something right now. It's funny how like those last three yeah. games, they just completely changed the kind of way people view them and and all that. And I give PJ Fleck credit. I've never been a big fan of his, and maybe it's just kind of his showy ways, but yeah. I actually grew kind of, even though they did get gashed in Lincoln, I remember that was the first time since Flex been at Minnesota when they kind of came back when they were down 28 nothing. Remember they cut it to six and it mm-hmm. got a little dicey there. That was one of the first times since he'd been there when I was kind of like, okay, they, he does do some interesting things on offense, and I'll give him that. Well, you got to remember, every day in Minnesota is elite. <laughs> you don't know the story? Mm-mm. They, uh, everybody in their program greets everyone. If you ask how they're doing, they just say elite. That would get really freaking annoying if you guys did that. I <laughs> think that people feel that way. It's elite. elite. It's only year two for Flack, though, right? Because yeah. year one was year yeah, zero, something. and year two is year one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is it time for the wheel? Spin it. All right. We are, oh, look at that wheel go. <laughs> we are uh, spinning the wheel. Still going. Still spinning. <laughs> DC trying to sound like an airplane or airplane. No, that's the wheel. That was the wheel. That wasn't me. All right. Uh, what do we have here? We have most memorable play that you have covered. In a Nebraska. So a singular play in a Nebraska game, which honestly, despite their just bizarro last. <laughs> Decades since I've been covering them, there's no shortage of uh, of things here. There's been a lot of weird we've seen. Yeah. Go ahead, Bronze. You got one. Um, I've got two. I'll give you two. Hopefully, I don't take your guys's. It's fine. Uh, I think there's enough that we can yeah we can share them. So the first one was probably the the west being on on the field for the Hes- the Western Camp Hail Mary was something. Like the way the air kind of like went out of the building, it felt like when when that ball was in the air and just kind of like exploded when he caught it, uh, was pretty cool. The second one that was kind of it was just like, did that just happen? W- was the ninety nine yard pass to Quincy and Noonwa? Oh, in, in, in the, the Capital One Bowl, in the G- Gator Bowl. In oh, the Gator Bowl. Yeah. Um, you're like, did they really just like really like? They're going to actually win this game. Um, that was a good Georgia team they beat. But yeah. Talent-wise. And I remember like watching Ugga, the little dog, kind of <laughs> s- sadly walk out of the stadium. The guy was like walking behind Ugga with the, with his little house. Um, Ugga's like, how did we lose to this team? Yeah. I was supposed to fire their head coach just a month ago. Yeah. It, it was uh, – that, that play <laughs> was probably one of the more like random plays in a very se- – a season of random plays. Good, those are good ones. Do you, you want to go last? Sure. I'll wait. So, I don't know if it's because I basically covered the entirety of his career or because his career was so all over the map or the, even the way that it ended. But when I think of covering Nebraska football and just having to pick one play, Taylor Martinez comes to mind. And there's no shortage of just Taylor Martinez plays that you could pick. But the one that I guess always stands out to me because Nebraska needed to win that game in 2012. They they basically had to, you know, I remember Bo Pelini more or less saying they had to run the table. And they're playing 
in East Lansing, and Martinez had just had just a horrendous game up until this point. They call a play where he fakes a toss, and then it's, I think, it's supposed to be a play action, but he just decides he's not going to throw, and he runs, and he just looks like he's shot out of a cannon. And it wasn't a particularly great Michigan State team, but it was very good defense. And Nebraska against Michigan State, for whatever reason, has had success. But that Taylor Martinez touchdown run, I think it was late in the fourth quarter, which kind of set up their comeback win, mm-hmm. just was kind of like harkened me back to the Kansas State Taylor Martinez. Like that was probably the last shining example of him as just like a, holy crap, this guy's just more athletic or faster than everybody on the field in a given moment. Was that the touchdown that cut it to three? I think it was. Okay. I think it was. That was a great game. Yeah, that I mean, one of my favorite games, It's like a actually. fun game to watch yep. again. It's, it had so many weird things happen. Right. It, well, the, the pick six that he threw called, to... Called back. Yeah. They called, a, they called a flag, and they brought it back, and it kind of sa- kept Nebraska around. Just uh, It was, what, Dennard's cousin was the one yeah. that he threw it to? And it was a weird... Turner caught the touchdown right yeah. in front of us all. I think he almost hit you. I was incredibly hungover for that game. Oh, I mean, nice. there, there's that aspect of it, too. <laughs> Crunchies will has, has yeah. I, fall on many a man. I scoffed at the idea that I could be taken down by a janitor bucket full of beer, and I paid for it heavily that next day. One of the, I nearly a, got run over by Jamal Turner after his touchdown yes, catch. I remember that. You were right there. Yeah. One of the funny sidebars in that game was, do you remember Martinez had a play where he – it was like in the third quarter or something, and he fumbled the ball – like on his own 30-yard line or so. And about it was one of these plays where the ball's like greased and like three or four guys try to get on it and nobody can squeeze it. And Martinez is stumbling and picks it up, picks up his own fumble like seven or eight yards down the field and darn near almost like would have housed it if, a guy, if he didn't kind of trip. And it would have been like the most fun Martinez like Martinez play, ever, play yeah. ever that you ever saw. But I love that game. Yeah, it, this is definitely one of my favorite games. My my honorable mention would be Amir Abdullah's touchdown against McNeese State that saved Nebraska from just infamy. Yeah. Uh, that was a never should have happened. And then really it just stands out because later going back and listening to the McNeese State radio call of it and just the pain and agony in their voice of being so close to it uh, really stands out. But, Brian, what do you what do you have for us? You've, you spanned a little bit longer. You spanned multiple coaching staffs. You've seen uh, give, give us two. You've seen. Some I'm things. not gonna. The obvious ones everyone's yelling at us right now is probably the Henry kick, and or you know like the Sue pick and kick. Yeah. And uh, I, I wasn't covering the team. Yeah, I wasn't either. Okay. I mean, the stadium was probably as loud as it's gotten when Sue. I think it got louder when Sue picked it, and that was it. And he slammed the ball against the fence after they won it, and it was the first year of Pelini, and so it was all like good vibes and they're going to a january first bowl um when i was in college was the stunts to crouch pass and you covered that game yeah for the daily nebraskan and it was uh to watch it from the that was the coolest moment from the press box to watch the stadium react to it because you could see it developing so it's one of those plays where it had it it had that slow delay where everybody in the stadium could kind of rise up you know and and then uh, the stu- it was right into the student section, too, where Crouch was running. So it was basically like a freaking mosh pit, you know, like as he was going. And so I would say that one uh, was probably at the top. And 
I guess not a play, but probably the biggest chills I ever got with the Nebraska game was actually, uh, and it's a dang shame they lost the game because of it, was the Wisconsin game on, with Riley where it went to overtime. And they they called the they had the Fultz on the coin, and they called Fultzy, and it came up Fultz, and you're like, okay, Nebraska's got to win this freaking game, you know, and so the, I I I that moment I was like, there's no way they can lose this game now, and so that and that yet, was a well, point. and then a missed extra point, and the door's yeah. wide open. Yeah, you thought they were gonna go in, and um, there's a whole lot of there's some interesting. A tough no call they got on that possession in overtime with Wester Camp, and then uh, probably a zone read where if, uh, Armstrong had kept the ball, he might have ran it into the end zone on like second down. But anyway, that 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 moment in that environment kind of stands out. All right, Those we, are... we could probably do like a we can do a whole podcast I think on like signature Taylor Martinez plays. Yeah. Well, think about it. Like, you have... I mean, that Kansas State game, I don't know where you were living at the time. I was, if you were in China or if you I, were... I was in the Bay Area. And yeah. it, so I got on the train, and you didn't have cell service mm-hmm. for most of it. And by the time I got from where I started to where I got off, Nebraska was just kicking the crap out of Kansas yeah. State. And it's like, wait, what? The There was at least two Taylor Martinez touchdowns in that game because it was kind of like... At the advent of the zone read at that point, they were incredible. I wasn't covering that game. I was there. Um, I went with some friends. It was like a Thursday night game. I was at the Telegram at that point. I wasn't doing Nebraska football exclusively. It was just nuts. Like the way he just killed the – and that was a – they were both top 25 teams. It was a Thursday night game. Like Kansas State was fired up for that game. And he just killed them by himself. It the was year, insane. Nebraska's farewell tour too. Yeah. That that 2010 was one of the most fascinating Husker seasons there's been, for a lot of reasons. Write a book about it, it somebody. Would, it would uh, it would be good. Um, of course, there was a. You A&M. get the key people to actually talk. Yeah, you wouldn't. The the A and M experience, um, with the like 18 penalties and Perlman reprimanding Polini publicly, it had it all. That K State game afterward, Martinez did an interview behind a little kid's desk. That was he was on he was sitting behind like a little school desk and you had like all the national reporters like huddled around him. It was very on brand for Taylor Martinez. Yeah. No, there's there's definitely no shortage of, of different things. We could have went with that. All right, anything else we want to get to before we end this podcast? Big Ten Media Days next week. Yeah, who's yeah. talking? It's, uh, well, Adrian Martinez. Uh, you also have Mo Berry and Khalil Davis. So we will have plenty from Chicago. Probably a Chicago podcast. Oh, yeah. We can, we can pass some Malort around the table and talk about see Chicago. Yeah. See, see, what, see where the Malort takes us. Do you think the Chicago podcast will be set up similar to the uh, On the Road Iowa podcast in which we turned over a trash can and no, we can we can go more professional. I think with this setup, we'll, <laughs> we'll, so. we'll get some Giordanos, throw it out on the table, and some more. That's right. It's my yearly uh, yearly deep dish, and Brunts will decide whether he wants it or not. Yeah, I think he had it last year. Though I, I had it last. No, year. No, you didn't go last year. Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, when we come back next week, we will be in Chicago. We'll be talking about the Big Ten. 
storylines. Who knows? Maybe we'll be talking about some recruiting storylines. It's been a busy opening part of July, and it could stay that way. But we'll have all the news for you at Husker 24-7. So always check out the website. Find everything there. And we'll catch you next week with another podcast.